0: Are you ready to hear the word? The word of God, the word of truth. You know, we've been in this series called Be Ready. Be ready. Be ready to give a witness. Be ready to give. And this morning we want to talk about being ready to battle. Being ready to battle. And uh, before we get into this message, I just want to voice a prayer because it seems to me like we are under attack like we've never been under attack. We know more people right now who are struggling with things in their family, in their life, in their physical being, things I've never ever heard of in my life. But it's happening now. And I just want to pray for our body. I want to pray for those who couldn't be here today. I want to pray for your families as you work and struggle through the issues of life that are going on. Let's pray together. And just unite our hearts together for just a moment as we come before the Lord. So just with me, I'm going to pray, but you pray while I pray. And you pray for those needs that the Holy Spirit puts on your hearts. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. And Father, we gather ourselves in worship of you. Praising you, Almighty God, for all that you do for us. Father, we recognize that some of our body is not here. We recognize that some couldn't make it this morning. Maybe they're in the hospital. Maybe they're in other places. Maybe they're at home. Maybe they've been recuperating from surgery. Maybe there's things that just kept them from being here. But God, it seems as the enemy has elevated his level of attack on the the church. And so, Father, I pray that your... Holy Spirit would guide us this morning. Father, that even in this place, that those that are, that are not here would be able to sense your presence with them. And Father, in this moment, in this hour, they would recognize the prayers of the saints lifting them up. Father, we know, we know individuals who are in the hospital. We know individuals who are grieving. We know individuals who who are homebound. We know individuals who are are, um, uh, passing from this life. We know individuals, Father, who have had surgeries this week and who are, are recuperating. And so, Father, our prayer is that you would touch each of them in this moment and that they would see Jesus high and lifted up. Father, I pray that you would guide us as we study your word. I pray, Father, that... That we would hear your voice clearly. Father, I pray that you would encourage us as your bride. And Father, that we would be ready to stand firm. Father, we love you and we praise you. Guide us and lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, if someone was to look across northern Europe at the homelands of the the Goths, the Vandals, the Huns, and all the other tribes that brought the Roman Empire to its knees. You know, you don't find the remains of a powerful civilization like it can be found in the south, um, down in, in, in Rome. You don't see that in the northern tribes. These northern tribesmen did not live in marble cities that were guarded by stone fortresses. Neither were their weapons or their armor or their military strategy. None of those could compare to the the military machine that Rome had set up. See, they would never have been able to defeat Rome had it not been for Rome's apathy. Their apathy... What happened was the people of Rome had become so preoccupied with worldly pleasures that they refused to believe that they were at war. We need to understand this because we can get lulled to sleep, we can be intoxicated with the things of this world and not recognize that we are under attack from the enemy. See, as Christians, we are often defeated not because our the enemy is mightier than our Lord, but because we are not aware that we're under attack. We're oblivious to it. We're sleeping through the war. You know, in passage after passage in Scripture, the alarm is sounded for God's people to be ready for spiritual battle, to be ready for war. And one of those warnings is found in Ephesians chapter 6. Towards the end of that chapter, Paul is writing to the the church at Ephesus. And I want to read this, just a couple of verses here, verse 10, 11, and 12. And Paul writes this, he says, Finally, he says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will not be able, excuse me, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the worldly forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Wow. That's the battle we're involved in not the battle we see but the spiritual battle the spiritual battle see the apostle paul here he is he's writing from prison <laughs> he's writing from prison and 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 remember he's been in prison for almost 5 years he's a a political hostage if you will the jews they want to get rid of him they don't want him preaching in their country and 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 the romans they don't quite know what to do with him and there's not a single charge that would stand up or hold up in court so he was falsely accused way back in jerusalem and here he is several years later sitting in a prison in ephesus he write, or excuse me in rome but he writes this book to ephesus the ephesians and he's writing to these ephesian believers and he wants them to understand what they have in jesus christ What they have in Jesus Christ. Here's a man who has not lost his wonder over his salvation experience. He's more in love with Jesus now than he's ever been. And he's trying to encourage this church, the bride of Christ. He's he's wanting to, to get it across to these Ephesian believers. He wants them to realize what they have in Christ and how to appropriate that, how to use that. ...in their situation that they find themselves currently in. And I would say to you this morning... ...to be strong, to be strong in the Lord... ...we must be ready with the attitude of Christ. If we're going to be strong in the Lord... ...we have to have this attitude of Christ. Over in in Peter, 1 Peter 4, Peter writes this. He says, Therefore, since Christ... Has suffered in the flesh. You remember that, right? Suffering in the flesh. Since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And a little footnote there it says that he suffered in the flesh, meaning uh, that he suffered death. In the flesh. But he says, arm yourself with the same purpose because he has ceased from sin. And I, I think that's that's big because you recognize from the earliest of Jesus' ministry, he didn't avoid conflict. He didn't avoid conflict for his own protection. I mean, you have him in, in the scriptures, we see him having run-in after run-in with the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders. <laughs> We see Him, He risked Himself in battle against the political forces of this earth, but also with the power of evil itself. And you know, His disciples, they were kind of puzzled. They were were bewildered as He began telling them that He was intentionally heading to Jerusalem to die. They rebuked Him. They argued with Him. But He didn't gain any ground with them. Because... Even before he came to earth, the Lord had set his mind, his attitude, his purpose to sacrifice himself for us, for our benefit. That was his mind, that was his attitude, that was his purpose. And immediately after he told his disciples that he was going to the cross, he says this in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He, he called us to have that same attitude, that same mind, that same purpose that he has. He said, if anyone wishes to follow me, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. If anyone wishes to come after me, oh, we, we're called Christians. We're called Christians because we follow Jesus Christ. We need to understand this. We have to have the same attitude that Christ had, the same purpose, the same mind. So let me ask you do you share his mind of sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice so that your neighbor can know Jesus like you know Jesus? Are you willing to sacrifice so that your coworker can know who Jesus is? So that the people you live around, so that the people you work with, so that other family members can know Jesus. This is a big point. Because early in the, the, the days of, of World War II, much of Europe was swallowed up by the Third Reich. Hitler and the Third Reich. They were swallowed up without any resistance The first countries Germany invaded were those who signed treaties of non-aggression for neutrality. In order to stay neutral, those were the ones he swallowed up first. And in the battle that we're talking about this morning, you, my friend, cannot stay neutral. Because if you stay neutral, you will be swallowed up by the enemy. See, they lost their peace. They lost their freedom and their ways of life because they were not willing to go to war against aggression. Listen, our flesh is not willing to sacrifice. No, no. My flesh, it wants to be comfortable. My flesh wants everything to be hunky-dory. My flesh does not want conflict. My flesh. My flesh is lazy. My flesh does not want to fight. See, it never wants to get involved in spiritual war. See, we're often defeated because our flesh... Wants to surrender to the world. Our flesh brings out the white towel and says, I give in. You call the shots. I belong to you now. We've surrendered to the world. And we need to understand this. Because we might agree to teach a Sunday school class, let's say. But when it gets hard, we quit. We might start to go witness to somebody, but, but when the devil uses one of his favorite weapons like fear, then we back out and we never go. See, our old nature, our old nature inside cries peace, peace, while God's word lifts the trumpet blast for war. I mean, believer, believers today, sometimes... And I'm not making a political statement here. But sometimes... I'm not the judge, okay? I'm just saying. I watch the news, you watch the news. I'm making a comparison here. Sometimes believers remind me... of Bo Bergdahl. You know who I'm talk- You know who I'm talking about? The fellow who was enlisted in the army... that was on a post... and he walked off his post... Ended up with the Taliban, captured by the Taliban, imprisoned by the Taliban for five years. But you see, he walked off his post. Christians remind me of that. Because we walk off our post. We don't take our allegiance to our Lord and Savior as serious as we should. See, sometimes Satan doesn't even have to oppose us because he's already take, we're already taken captive by the things of this world, by this life. I mean, that's why Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy two verse four. He says, "No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier." That's your focus, folks. We've been dropped behind enemy lines. I don't know if you know that. In this spiritual battle, we've been dropped behind enemy lines. If you surrender now, you're surrendering to the enemy. See, the temptation that we all face as soldiers of Christ is to fall in love with this world and we go AWOL. Absence without leave. We walk off our post. And we leave it abandoned. Just think. Just think of the huge potential. Every person here. Could have if we were abandoned to Christ in obedience. If we did what the general said to do. Folks. There are 70 Baptist churches in Bell County. There's a lot more churches than that in Bell County. But you would think we would have market share if we were all doing the battle that we're supposed to be doing. But we're kind of like ancient Rome. We've gotten apathetic about it and we really don't care. You know what? I'm comfortable. I got what I need. I don't care if we lose a little one here or there or along the way. Folks, before long, there's not going to be a front to fight. You see, our attitude needs to be like Christ. We need to say, Lord, I want to do whatever you tell me to do. I just want to be filled with your spirit and controlled by your spirit. When was the last time you prayed to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God? When was the last time you were obedient to the Holy Spirit of God? To say, yes, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, I will do that. Because you see, if we're not following His orders, we're either doing our own thing or we're following the orders of the enemy. See, we have the opportunity to make a huge impact. We need to realize that. The opportunity that we have to make an impact on our world. Yes, we're sending well water drilling rigs to Kenya. And we're doing some things. But what I'm saying is we have the opportunity to do even more. What if we were all obedient in that? Think of the aura of influence that sits in this room. That wherever we go, we have the opportunity to carry the gospel. Nobody is persecuting you for witnessing for Christ. And because there's no pressure, we don't do it. It's somebody else's job. You know whose job it is? It's mine. That's what a lot of people think. It's the preacher's job. No, it's every one of our jobs. We all have that job to witness for Christ. I mean, would we be seen differently in the way that we behave if we were obedient to what Christ is asking us to do? I mean, we would have humility and gentleness, patience, self-control. We'd be seen handling our differences, loving one another, being loving in that way and, and seeing each other all the way through. We'd be identified by what we believe. We'd be identified as the body of Christ being built up. I mean, look here. A body, a physical body, is to bring visibility to an entity. Think about it. The reason people know who you are is because they identify you by your body what you look like, how you carry yourself. Sometimes people with bad eyesight, like myself, might be able to tell who somebody is by the way they walk. But it identifies us as a body. And we are to identify ourselves as the body of Christ. I mean, it would be, if we were being obedient, if we were making this kind of impact, we would be known for the Lord Jesus living in the people who make up this church. Folks, that's where I want to be. I want to be known by everyone else that the Lord Jesus lives in us. I mean, isn't that the design that God created that we would be filled and fulfilled when everyone is strengthened in their inner person, being built up by the Spirit of God? See, these are days for victory, Not defeat. We're getting closer to the end. These are days when the the, the marching cadence gets a little stronger. These are days when we we begin to lift our head a little higher. These are days when we recognize that our King, Jesus, is going to return soon. It's not days to take a nap. It's not time to not care. It's time to polish your brass and get in line. And be ready to count for the king. You see, we have to be ready with the authority of Christ. I think we understand what authority is. We have to be ready with the authority of Christ. I mean, Satan wants to defeat you. Satan is not your friend. He wants to defeat you and he uses his deception. Let me give you a couple of ways he uses deception in our lives. See, he deceives us by lying to us about the consequences of our sin. I mean, for an example, I mean, he, he may tell you it's okay to experiment with sex, but he doesn't tell you about venereal disease. He doesn't tell you about unwanted pregnancies. He doesn't tell you about the broken homes. He doesn't tell you about broken hearts. All he says is live for the moment, live for right now. He deceives us by lying to us about the consequences of our sin. He also deceives us by casting doubt on the word of God. I mean, he, he will tell you that the truth is a lie. He will tell you lies and say they are the truth. He'll introduce you to false doctrine. He will cause you to believe things that sound good and trust in those things to save your soul. Oh, we need to wake up. I mean, he deceives us by causing us to doubt God's goodness. I mean, he'll tell you there's a better way than serving the Lord. He'll tell you that that he'll make you think that, that God is holding out on you like God hasn't given you his best. But I'm here to tell you the truth that God has given you his best in Jesus Christ. See, Satan also deceives us by causing us to think that we can achieve salvation or victory on our own. I mean, he wants to cause you to try to be good enough to be saved. And he'll cause you to try and to earn your salvation through good works or your own (laughs) self-righteousness. Even after we're saved, he may deceive us into thinking that we don't need God any longer. I've got what I need. I got my fire insurance, Ridge. I'm good to go. Are you? If that's all it is, I don't think you are. You see, he will cause us to think that we can do it on our own. But listen, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might means that we have to depend on his authority. On his authority. Over in 2 Corinthians Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5, Paul said this. He said, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against us. Against the knowledge of God, excuse me, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. (laughs) What he's saying is the greatest weapon we have in this war that we were thrust into the moment we accepted Christ as our Savior. The greatest weapon that we have is not what we say to the devil, it's how we live. That Christ life before him and before others. How do you show others that you belong to Jesus? You see, our obedience, our surrender, our submission to Christ is our greatest weapon. Amen. It's our greatest weapon in defeating the, the one who's the prince of darkness, who lives all around us. As children of light, our obedience, our submission, our surrender to the Lord is what causes that light to shine brighter in and through us. See, we don't go into battle against Satan with the weapons of this world. I mean, obviously, it will not help you in your war with Satan to be physically powerful. That's not the, that's not the weapons he uses, intellectual muscle is also of little value against the prince of the power of the air. And you know, sometimes people think that, that uh, they cannot be used by God because they don't have a winning personality, or, or maybe they don't have musical talents, or maybe they don't have a silver tongue. But God can use your personality, or He can use your talents if He wishes, but they're not the real weapons of this battle. I mean, you could talk to a lost person till their ears fall off. You could smile at them till they go blind. I mean, you could give every answer to every objection uh, to the gospel they could ever think up. You might even be able to hit them in the head with the Bible. But they're never going to be saved unless God draws them and you fight the battle on your knees. What that means is, is we have to go to spiritual battle. We have to get on our knees and pray for the salvation of souls. Tearing down every stronghold, every brick by brick, every stronghold that has kept them imprisoned. That's the spiritual battle. That's what we're talking about. But you see... The flesh doesn't want to do that. That's work. I don't want to spend the time praying. I'd rather be watching TV. I would rather Netflix and chill than be lifting and doing the spiritual labor that we are called to do. I mean, the key... To claiming the authority of Christ in our lives is to submit to it ourselves you know we're told a a story in Acts 19 about Paul and he goes into um, he was at Ephesus with a group of uh, seven um, exorcists they were there to cast out demons and uh, they noticed the authority that Paul wielded in the name of Jesus. And so they were so impressed they wanted to try it for themselves. And so they went into this house of this man that was possessed by an evil spirit. And they were trying to, to cast out this evil spirit. All seven of them. And this, this, <laughs> this evil spirit, you know, they, they ordered him. They said, we order you by, the, by, the, by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the demon answered and said to them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? I think that's amazing. Because then it says, and the man who had the evil spirit, he overpowered them, and he beat them, and he ran them out of the house naked and wounded. Folks, that's some spiritual battle going on right there. If you're going to be taking up fights with the demons, you better be prayed up. You better be walking with the Lord. You know, James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. He says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. And until you've done that, you cannot claim the promise that to resist the devil and he will flee from you. See, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. And we've got to realize this. In Colossians 1:13, it says, For he, Jesus, rescued us, delivered us from the domain of darkness, from the authority of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. He took us from darkness and and, and put us, transferred us into the kingdom of light. We're no longer in darkness. I love that. Because in him is light and there is no darkness at all. Do you understand what we just read? Ridge, you mean I live in a world that is hostile and surrounded by darkness? Do you mean that I live in a world that's filled with deceit and lies and does not know the truth, but I've been delivered from that? Do you mean that I've been put into another kingdom? Do you mean there is somebody else now that rules and reigns over me that I am his property that he purchased me? Do you mean that he bought me with a price by shedding his blood on the cross? Do you mean the devil does not have power over me anymore? Yes, that's what I mean. All of that. And when will we wake up and understand that? That the devil has no power over you that you do not give him. I mean, we're saints. Some of us say, well, I'm just a sinner. No, we're saints. What does it mean to be a saint? It means that we're in a class all by ourselves. We're set apart. (laughs) Wait a minute. Do you mean among human beings in this world, controlled by the darkness of the world, infested by his lies and deceit, we are in a class all by ourselves because we've been taken out of his domain and made light? Do you mean that God has saved our minds? Do you mean that he's given us the ability to think the right way? Do you mean that God has taken us who was upside down and has turned us upright? That's exactly right. And if you don't understand that, then the spiritual battle will always be a struggle for you. hear what I'm saying. You need to know who you are. You need to know who you are. You need to know whose you are. And you need to know what has happened to you. And you need to know what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Well, I walked the aisle when I was seven and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. It is so much more than that. He died on the cross... So that you could be made whole, so that your sins could be forgiven you, so that death and and, and the enemy and the grave would have no power over you. So be ready. Be ready with the armor of God. I mean, because of the fierceness of our enemy, Paul lists the armor of God for his warriors. He says there in verse 13, Therefore, take up the full armor of God. Put it on so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and in addition, taking up the shield of faith with which you will... Be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I mean, Paul didn't have to imagine what the armor of the soldier was like. He'd been chained to one night and day, he'd been chained to a Roman soldier, possibly while the chains were digging into his wrists the Holy Spirit began to impress upon him the parallel with our spiritual armor. I'm almost done. He says, first put on the belt of truth. Oh, hear me now. The belt of truth is necessary to hold the rest of the armor together. And all the other armor of God depends on you arming yourself with truthfulness. I mean, the belt was also used to to hold the soldier's weapon and his canteen. And you will find yourself without a weapon and you will find yourself without provisions to endure if you don't have the belt of truth around you. The soldier was also protected from mortality with the breastplate and the helmet The defense against eternal death is the breastplate of Christ's righteousness. Not your righteousness, not my righteousness, but His righteousness. And the helmet of salvation. I mean, if you're going to go to war, you need a helmet on. If you're trying to go to war on your own righteousness, you need to understand it won't save you. It will not save you. See, the sounds of war grow louder every day as the enemy realizes his time is short. A soldier kept his shoes on uh, uh, by his cot, ready to march at a moment's notice. And the lacing of the boots is the preparation of the gospel. Are you ready? Are you ready for battle? Are you ready to present the gospel at a moment's notice? But additionally, he would take the shield of faith. I mean, when Satan fires his flaming arrows of lust at you, you can quench it with the faith in God to satisfy your heart. When he shoots his arrows of worry at you, you can deflect it with the faith in God which has promised to deliver you. And when he bombards you with his darts of deceit, you can deflect them with the faith in the sure promises of God. See, all the equipment that's mentioned So far, out of all of it, we only have one offensive weapon, the sword, the word of God. Can you handle the sword? Do you know how to use the word of God? Are you competent with it to fight the battle? Because if not, you need to pick it up and practice it a little. Because the, the, the war, the battle is coming. You need to arm yourself daily with the Word of God and read it and memorize it and, and pray over it and obey it because its power is amazing. I mean, when you put this sword in the hands of the Holy Spirit, in your heart, it will always find its mark. But you see, our duty is not to attack Satan. Satan. Or to defeat him. That's already been done. Our duty is to withstand his attacks. Paul tells us to take up God's full armor so we can be able to resist the devil in the evil day when it hits. And surely it will hit. Then being prepared, you will be able to stand firm. See, when the Apostle Paul got to the end of his life, with all of his accomplishments, in spite of all of his achievements, he summed it up by saying this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He fought. He prevailed. He stood firm to the end. And understand this. This war is not being waged to see... Which side will win? God's already won the war by the death of his son on the cross. The war is for your good and for his glory. And the war is part of God's eternal plan and purpose for his creation. But we need to ask better questions. The question is not who will win. But the question is who will stand? Who will stand? Because it's not a question of whether God is on our side as much as whether or not we are on his side. So I ask you this simple question. In this great spiritual war, whose side are you on? Sometimes it may be hard for us to tell. If we're living like the world, if we've gotten in bed with the enemy, it may be hard for us to tell whether we are on God's side or whether we are on that side. See, if you are still dead in your transgressions and sins, you're under Satan's control, serving him in rebellion against God, and you are actually at war with God. If, however, by faith in Christ you acknowledge your sin, you trust the victory which Jesus has already won on the cross, you're going to be saved, in which case you are waging war for God. And how big that difference is between being at war with God and being at war for God. So whose side are you on in the spiritual war? See, all I can say is be ready for battle. Church, I don't want you to be blindsided. You need to understand the battle is going to get hotter and hotter as we see the great day of the Lord approaching. My duty to you is to warn you and to let you know you need to be ready. Because the drumbeats are getting faster. The birth pains are becoming more evident. The groans are getting louder. And before long, King Jesus will return. Make sure you know which side you're on. Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you for your word. Father, your word is challenging to us. I ask Holy Spirit that in this moment, in this time, that you would guide our hearts into all truth. Father, that if there is someone here that does not have a personal relationship with your son Jesus. Father, that today they would come to know you in a personal way through your son Jesus Christ. Father, that if we're not ready for battle, Father, if we've become apathetic, if we've gotten an attitude of we don't care, that we're just wrapped up in the things and the issues that are going on in our personal lives, that, Father, we're unaware of 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 the spiritual battle. I ask God that you would quicken our spirits. Father, that we would... I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would show us the spiritual battle. Everywhere we go. God, that we would be able to see the battle that is waxing hot all around us. Father, that we would surrender our hearts. That we would be in submission. That we would be in obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, that we would we would be on your side, God. That we would not dabble with the world any longer. But Father, that we would get squarely in line with you and your word and your kingdom. And Father, that we would remove all doubt. Father, that our brothers and sisters, that even the world around us would be able to know they belong to you. Father, I pray that you would bring about a great repentance on the church, your bride. Father, that you would wash us clean. Father, that we would no longer be living for ourselves and for our flesh. But Father, that we would be living for you. For your spirit. For our King Jesus. Lord, I pray that, you would, that we would be done with fear. Father, that we would fear you more than we fear man. Father, that we would be on fire for you. God, I pray that you would cleanse us as your body. That today, Father, there would be a great awakening that moves this land and start it right here, right now among us. Father, thank you for all that you do. Guide us and lead us as we seek you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the Spirit of God is in this place. And you have opportunity today. You have opportunity to acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've never done that, I want to encourage you to do that today. If you've never come to a place in your life where you say, Lord Jesus, you are are my Lord and my Savior. I need you to cleanse me. I need you to to forgive me of my sin. I invite you to come into my heart to be my Lord and Master. If you've never done that, you need to do that today. We live in a crazy world. I'm not trying to scare anybody. But our life is just like a vapor. It's here and gone. You have opportunity today. Respond to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're a believer. You're not plugged in anywhere. If you're looking for a good church home, this is a good one. I would invite you to come and be a part of our fellowship here. Whatever God is putting on your heart today, I don't know personally where you're at. I don't know all the things that you're dealing with. But you do. And God does. And what I'm saying is in the moments that follow, this is our opportunity. Our opportunity to reach back to God in whatever we're dealing with. Would you do that? Would you stand with me? We're going to sing together. And as we sing together, this is your opportunity to respond. Maybe you just want to come and pray. Please do. Come and pray. By all means, do that. But you respond this morning to the word that you've heard, and to what God puts on your heart.